episode of James Bond and Friends, a weekly podcast from your friends at MI6 HQ and MI6 Confidential Magazine. I'm Paul Atkinson. Today on the show, we have a series of special guests, all of whom have contributed to a new album of James Bond covers titled Not From Where I'm Standing. Please allow me to welcome David Gedge, Terry DeCastro, Sean Jarman, Diane Rogers, and our own David Lee. Would you introduce yourselves, please? Hello, right, I'm David Gedge. Uh, well, basically, I'm in a band called The Wedding Present. I'm, I'm in another band called Cinerama as well, but... Uh, I decided to uh, to create this album of uh, of covers of Bond Bond themes. So I asked a few of my friends to uh, if they wanted to submit tracks, and uh, it just came out. It, after about seven years of planning, it just came out uh, at the end of last year. And I'm on uh, I'm on about four tracks. I think I'm on the Wedding Present track, a Cinerama track. I've got a little solo track, and also I, I was the guest vocalist on a track by uh, Sleeper who are uh, friends of mine here in uh, Brighton, where I am. Awesome. Thanks, David. Terry? Hello. Thank you so much for, for having me. I Well, my connection to this project is uh, I was in the wedding present for a number of years and kind of on and off for almost 20 years, and Cinerama as well. And I did one track for, for this compilation, and I was on a, a few others. I was on the Cinerama contribution and the wedding present and another one by my friend Simone White. She did Goldfinger. I did View to a Kill. And yeah, exciting project. My I've I say I don't have a huge James Bond connection, but I loved the movies when I was a kid. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Diane. Hello, I'm Diane. Uh, also when I do music stuff, I'm also generally known as Missy Tassels, so I wasn't sure what name to do this under, but Diane or Missy is fine. I'm in a band called the Sleezoids. Uh, and um, I was <laughs> in the wedding present for the blink of an eye, uh, but I'm happen to be married to Paul Dorrington, who was in the wedding present for a much more significant period. Um, I can't remember what years, but David might remember better. It's sometime in the 90s, I don't know, before. I'd I was... say 1991 to about 1995, I don't know, something like yeah. that. <laughs> something yeah, but, but some of the... the... But then back again with you, of course, yeah. But then then you both joined for uh, a little mini tour, didn't you? Was it about 2014 or something? Yeah, it was uh, 20, yeah, around there, three or four years ago. We did, uh, I played two whole shows with the Reading Present, but it was a weird stepping back in time for Paul. Uh, So that was a nice, fun thing to do. And we very kindly got asked to uh, do the James Bond theme, which we made a kind of weird uh, sleazoids garaged up version of. Uh, and it was really exciting to be invited to do this project. And I'm a film nerd and a horror nerd, and I love some of the James Bond. F- I wouldn't say I'm a huge Bond fan, like like kind of Terry said, but uh, I do love some of the films, and I remember a lot of them on TV when I was a kid. So just all nice stuff to to be part of so thanks for having me thanks very much for joining us and sean um my name's sean carman i was in the wedding present a very very long time ago back in the 80s um nowadays i play in a band called Jetstream pony and uh yeah no thanks very much to um for inviting us to do this podcast and also to david for inviting us to do the um the james bond themes album the uh it's a funny dynamic actually in the band because i've got one person in the band who is really keen on the james bond films absolutely loves them and there's another person in the band who likes them a bit less <laughs> um, so it's it was quite 
quite a funny uh, discussion. And originally, I've actually got, we've got two things on the uh, on the album. And originally, I did an instrumental, um, but I liked it anyway. To be honest, so I possibly would have picked it. Um, but the Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, but then after uh, after a bit of a bit of gentle persuasion from David and a bit of fluttering of eyebrows, eyelashes, whatever, um, we did another one, um, which is Man with the Golden Gun. So um, I really enjoyed doing both of them. Actually, it's really good. I mean, whatever you say about James Bond films and music, it's iconic. And uh, you can't say that about many film genres. So, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm glad that you did uh, The Man with the Golden Gun because uh, regular listeners to the podcast know that uh, I'm nuts about that film, uh, even though most people don't like it. And uh, that uh, that love of the film includes the, the title track as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. It's so the obvious question is, what did you think of uh, the Jetstream Pony version? Oh, no, no, good. I, I liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the whole that, album. Really like the I whole pref- album. I prefer this to the original, to be honest. Because <laughs> I think the original's a bit kind of 70s guitar soloing in parts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think uh, one, of the, one of the problems with the original, well, one of the problems with the song is that the lyrics are a bit dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, which I'd say about a few of the the songs, really, but uh, you know, if you if you get it, give it a bit of another. We did it. We did. Yeah, we did have a bit of chuckle in the band, to be honest. But the uh, the person who was the most bothered about the kind of possible sexism and stuff ended up having to sing. He's got a powerful weapon. <laughs> <laughs> the opening line was like of all the things you know to dip into, and then you get to sing that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. no, but, you know, I hope we did. We made a good fist of it. It possibly wasn't one that we'd have chosen, but uh, um, yeah, no, I, I'm really happy with that. funny I, I actually i like to play the man with the golden gun on guitar so a bit and it, it, i think it annoys my wife a bit but uh and i don't do it because of that but uh no it's uh, i did like to hear it <laughs> <laughs> well that's how you can sing i've got a powerful weapon <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't sing that well oh. <laughs> won't go that far <laughs> but yeah a bit, bit of guitar yeah yeah um anyway uh uh, I'm David Lee, and uh, I, I won't bother introducing myself because uh, I think if uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know who I am, and we've got some uh, more interesting guests than, than me. And uh, I saw on Twitter that some somebody said the wedding present had done uh, an album of James Bond covers, and I thought, uh, and I so I went to Google and. Uh, found out about this album and listened to it on Spotify immediately. And uh, uh, then I I said to uh, James Page, uh, who is one of the people who runs the podcast, uh, uh, can we get them on? So he said, yeah. So that's that's how it all started. But um, I first came across the wedding present back in about 86 on uh, listening to John Peel. I won't explain who he was, except he was an icon of, of uh, British radio back in the 1980s. Sadly, he died in 2005, 2004, I think it was. And I, I think, you know, maybe um, many of our listeners or some of our listeners aren't familiar with the wedding presents. So, so David, uh, could you could you explain a bit 
bit about uh, the wedding present, uh, how you formed and who you are? Yeah, we, we just uh, formed in Leeds in 1984. Well, I kind of, I've always been in bands ever since I was about 11 or something. But uh, uh, when I left university, I went to Leeds University and uh, after I'd finished, I uh, I decided to take it a bit more seriously and, and try and have a, a career, for want of a better word, better word in music. So I, I started a band. Uh, it was actually a band preceding the wedding present called the Lost Pandas, which I won't go into because it, it didn't really do anything. But then uh, two of the members left and uh, and we had a lineup change and Sean joined at that point, actually. And we became the wedding present. So, and uh, yeah, our first single came out in 1985. And uh, here I am, <laughs> 30, 35 years later, doing pretty much the same thing, really, as, uh, as I was doing then. So, uh, yeah, we just released various albums and... Oh, yeah, there was a few years in the middle where I kind of, uh, it was like, uh, I suppose it was, initially it was going to be a solo project and then it became a band called Cinerama, who we've mentioned before. That's how I met Terry, actually. Uh, and yeah, so, but apart from that, it's, I've been doing the wedding present ever since, really. Yeah. So uh, well, one question I do have about that is, you know, how, how do you keep going for so long in the wedding, in, in the music business? Because, I, you know, is it because um, you've had, I, I mean, you, you've had so many personnel changes in the wedding present over the years. And uh, do, you, do you think that um, having different faces playing with you helps uh, creativity or just it helps you helps you? Uh, keep going and uh, how, how do you think you managed to do that well yeah certainly having different people coming I mean there's been so many members as you say over the years now and I always say that you know when people join the band it, you know it, it kind of pushes us pushes us in a different direction and we might go off at a tangent and try different things and I think that's always been helpful for me anyway to keep it more fresh and uh, interesting rather than doing the, you know, the same thing over and over again but but as to why I'm, I'm still doing it now, I don't know. I think it's 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 either become an obsession with me, or it, or it always was like an obsession, you know. And I, I'm not sure what else I would have done really. <laughs> I think I'd still I'd probably still be doing this now, even if I hadn't been successful, because I've always been really you know driven by the idea of being in a group and making records and writing songs and hopefully playing concerts. Uh, so, I, so I've been fortunate that it's actually worked really. You lived on mashed potato to save up for the first single. I think it was obsession. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it feels weird because obsession is is a strange word to use because it is a kind of form of a mental illness in a way. You know, to be obsessed with something like this. But uh, and it's almost offensive to people who who, who are mentally ill. But uh, I do feel like I, I've I've got this kind of weird addiction to it now. You know. I'll, 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 Always have have had really, uh, and like Sean said, you know, I've kind of given up other things in my life which are the which normal people have probably had, like you know, proper jobs and uh, families and uh, you know a coherent <laughs> kind of social structure with friends and stuff. So, but but you know, I've, I've never missed any of that really. I've always been so. Uh, you know, driven to do this really so. and, it, and it's the glamour of eating mashed potato all the time well that was only for a couple of years when I had no money <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but you, you, you don't to be slowing down at all no it, it, it kind of gets busier and busier to be honest with you I mean I'm a, I actually feel guilty that we've not 
made a, a new LP for four years now. Is it four? Maybe more. I don't know. Uh, because the, I think you know, the longer you go, there's there's more opportunities for retrospectives. So there's, uh, you know, people want you to play certain albums again, or you know, there's a, a film came out uh, about our first LP, George Best. That we were that Sean and I were both involved with actually, and so that took a while. Then I've uh, you know written a couple of books now, and I'm doing a comic book kind of autobiography. I've got my own festival in in Brighton that we do every year. You know, there's loads of things that's kind of all little offshoots of the band really. But uh, yeah, you know things like this, you know things like doing the uh, you know, the Bond compilation. It, it was one of those ideas that just came. Uh, actually, doing a sound check in New Zealand. Funnily enough, we were actually doing a concert down there, and. Uh, we, uh, you know, the idea was born then to, to do this, to do this uh, compilation LP, and it's one of those things where, where you think, yeah, you know, I'd love to do that, but it, but obviously it takes up time, and and you've got to have a certain amount of dedication to do it, really. So it's kind of it feels like a series of those things, and there seems to be more than ever now. <laughs> well, they they always say that um, if you want somebody to do something, uh, ask a ask a busy person. I'm certainly one of those people who's yeah. busy. <laughs> I mean, don't worry, I, I won't. I won't ask you to do anything though, apart from appear on the podcast. I suppose. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in fact, has, has anybody else uh, got any uh, thoughts about that? I mean, about keeping going in the music business. Terry's probably a good one to answer that. She's she's still. Well, yes, I, I've all, whenever I dip my toe back in, well, not that I've ever actually left, but I did kind of officially retire from the wedding present in 2010, but I, it keeps drawing me back. I try to escape and it pulls me back in, (laughs) but I always love that. I absolutely love it. I love the opportunity to do it. And it, and David once said, you know, people leave the band and then they, they realize actually it's kind of nice being in a band. I liked it. And so they form their own band or they do their own solo things. I, I do some solo stuff and I put on little concerts where I, I work, I work in a gallery in Los Angeles and I put on live shows there and I play live shows there. Well, not, not so much anymore. We do virtual concerts though, but yeah, I think, I think as I'm not in any way, nearly as immersed in it as David is, but I feel very similarly to him. I'm completely enamored with it. And I I can't imagine that I wouldn't be involved in making music. I think being in a recording studio is my favorite place to be in the entire world. We were recording at um, just, even if it's someone's little home studio, it's, I just love it. We, we recorded with a, a producer in, south pasadena here near near la it's called the laundry room and we did some projects there little vocals and and just kind of overdubs at this studio and i walked in the studio and i said oh my god this is my favorite place in the world and david said well you're welcome because he's obviously the vehicle that uh, provides (laughs) the opportunity for me for me to do that but i appreciate it i love it he he said once um Oh, you know, I, I, we were traveling somewhere and I said, oh, this is fantastic. And again, he said, you're welcome. And he said, you know, you lot are uh, my, you, you know, I'm responsible for your entire life, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and while we were, while we were in the band, that was kind of true. Yeah. But it, it's amazing with all the technology now, what, what you can do. I mean, 
years ago, you know, you'd be lucky to have a, a four-track uh, recorder, and now you've got all this kind of multi-track, even on an iPad or, or something like that. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. The opportunity yeah, it's great. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. I also saw that, um, I think it was Fender saying that uh, guitar sales this last year shot up massively because people have got a lot more time to spend at home. And uh, so there, there might be some uh, some interesting music coming out in the next uh, year or so. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great what you can do now. It's You swap files, you know, zing them across the world. It's fantastic. I've got to say, you know, you talked about the iPad there, but Sean actually, when he recorded his solo track for the album, the, the Online Majesty Secret Service, he basically did it on an iPad in his bedroom and he played okay. all the instruments. And to me, I was like, what? It, it sounds like a prop, you know, like a full band in a proper studio. Uh, yeah. I was amazed that he, you know, he told me that, but uh, obviously that's what you can do. I don't think I could do it personally, but... <laughs> but uh, it was, a, it was a bit very old school, like pressing play and record and running around the other side to the drum kit. It was quite, yeah, do it really quickly. But, but, you, could, but, you, can't, but you can't yeah. tell, can you? You know, it's it's incredible that, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like, you know, that. It, it sounds like a proper proper thing, as I say. Yeah, I mean, uh, the first Jet Stream Pony single was recorded on the iPad as well, the same way. And I must admit, no one was more surprised than me that a record label released it like that. But... Um, but yeah, and I, I just um, I think Garage Band's an amazing thing, really. Well, this is turned into an Apple advert. <laughs> but I do think Garage Band is amazing. But I mean, I remember years ago, you know, when I when I was in my late teens and twenties, and a lot of the bands that I used to listen to, uh, I mean. Their, their, their guitars were just terrible quality. I, I mean, if you think about Robert Smith of the the Cure, his first uh, guitar that he used on the, the early recordings, I think, was was from Woolworths, and uh, you know, and so people don't need to have expensive equipment; they just need to uh, do something. I think. Totally, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, some of the records Jean Peel used to play. I know you mentioned Peel earlier, and uh, you know. Uh, the kind of record you probably wouldn't hear on other uh, radio stations or or played by other DJs, but uh, you know you could tell it was it was people who had kind of knocked it out in a in a garage on a on a four track or something. But uh, you know those records are often some of the best ones ever made, really. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think as yeah. long as you've got the idea and the kind of enthusiasm and a certain amount of talent, yeah. Especially yeah. nowadays, the world you're always, It's just a shame nobody buys records anymore, really. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All yeah. these people oh, making yeah. them. But, uh, <clears throat> But anyway, moving on to uh, the uh, James Bond album, which is not from where I'm standing, because uh, that, that seems to be both uh, a Thunderball reference, because um, Fiona Volpe says to Bond, aren't you in the wrong room, Mr. Bond? And he replies, not from where I'm standing. But it also seems to refer to one of your early tracks as well. Yes, it was, it's, a, it's a B-side, a wedding present B-side. Uh, I can't remember from which single now, but uh, one of the very early ones. Uh, can you remember, Sean? Not from where I'm standing? Actually after I left, but just... Because I played it, but not on the record, I think. Oh, okay. so, it, it was, so, yeah, from about 1980. Yeah, 1988. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know when I, I kind of came with came with the idea to do the compilation. I was just thinking of a, an obvious title, and that, that just sprang to mind because, you know, because I think at the time when I called it Not From Where I'm Standing, I wasn't – I was probably familiar with the Bond reference, but I, it wasn't the reason why I called it that. It, it was oh, more, really? 
no, no. It was more about, uh, I think it was about kind of being an onlooker to an argument or a conversation or something. So it was from a kind of an onlooker's point of view. But then I thought, well, it's the obvious title because of this, because of the Bond. Uh, I've got a book, actually, of Ian Fleming quotes, which someone gave me as a present a few years ago. And I, I think I, I think I found it in there and thought, oh, I've got a song called that, <laughs> you know. So it seems, it seems like the obvious title for a, a wedding present connected uh, uh, record. And by, by the way, we're mainly talking about the films here or the music of the films, but um, have you read any of the Fleming books? I've read them all, yeah. I've read them all. Oh. And I've, read, I've read all the John Gardner books and all the Ray, Raymond Benson books. And I've kind of read every book, really, about that uh, in the official Bond canon. Okay, right, right. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're a full-on fan then. I think I'm probably the biggest fan out of, out of the people here. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I've, I've read some of the Fleming ones when I was much younger. Yeah, probably when I was a teenager, actually. But um, but just the original ones, rather than I can't compete with the <laughs> with the fandom of the, the others. The album. What? Wait. When you first thought about doing it, what was it? Um, at any point, going to be a project by the wedding present, or did you uh, want to rope in all your friends as well right from the start? Uh, well, it kind of evolved, really. I think you know we did that that sound check in New Zealand, and we and somebody in the band was just playing uh, "You Only Live Twice." You know, the and we just all kind of looked at each other, looked at each other, and thought, "That's a great song, isn't it?" You know, we should cover that one day. And and we kind of it's one of those ideas that you just say, "Okay, yeah," you put it in the back of your mind. You know, what at some point we'll work it out. And then I think I was chatting to uh, Charlie, who was our drummer at the time, and he, he kind of put the idea into my head of, uh, of doing a, an entire album of Bond covers because, you know, we, you know, we all love the, the tunes and stuff. But I think part and parcel of that being kind of a bit too busy at the, the last few years, you know, I don't think it was ever a project which I could have really devoted enough time to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I just threw it open. I just emailed a few people who were, I mean, at first I just asked a few friends uh, and then it suddenly became obvious to me that they all had connections to the wedding present in some way or Cinerama. So that became a, a kind of a theme because I do enjoy lists, I suppose, and spreadsheets and things. And I think, you know, the way we're all connected in this in this world in some way, it kind of meant that uh, I could guarantee that everybody on the record had, had some kind of physical connection to us, uh, to the bands. And uh, yeah, it just grew and grew and then it became a double LP. And then, uh, so this was over, as, as I say, over like seven years or something. And then it, it kind of dawned on me that no one had actually asked for a fee for, for, for doing this. Nobody wanted their studio time paying for or anything. So I just felt like it'd be a bit weird for me to to, make, to put this record out. And, you know, A, it would have been really complicated to pay everybody royalties. And B, it felt a bit odd, for, you know, for me to make money from it, really, because it, it's, it's involved so many people now. So we just decided to make it a benefit album. And uh, I had a friend who suggested Calm as a as a charity that would be worthwhile. I'd never heard of them, Campaign Against Living Miserably. But uh, I looked into it and thought, yeah, sounds sounds like a good idea. And it's, it, 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 it kind of makes sense with the, you know, the Bond themes as well. Uh, so uh, we, we decided to make it a benefit record and as I say, finally came out. Uh, I was going to ask you actually about uh, Calm and uh, what, what is it they they actually do? It says on the record, actually, there's a nice quote, but it's basically an anti-suicide charity uh, because uh, I think you know when they I met them in, in Brighton actually, and uh, they were you know they they tell you some 
crazy figures like you know the leading cause of death of of, of men in a certain age group is suicide, and uh, probably in the UK I think, uh, and things like that. And and basically they just campaign. You know they've got a helpline as well uh, for free to ring for people who are feeling desperate and stuff. Which, which again, you know, because of the, you know, the uh, this year with the pandemic, it, it seemed uh, quite a timely uh, choice. Absolutely. But also, yeah, yeah, yeah they, you know, they, you know, like a pressure group and the campaign for the things like that as well. But uh, yeah, just that really. Okay, and just um, th- thinking about different artists for the for the album, and when you approach people, uh, did you have a, a specific track? for them or did you allow them to choose their own or what, what kind of negotiation took place i mean uh, what happens if everyone wanted to, to do goldfinger how did that get res- resolved yeah basically i had a list and uh i just sent it to everybody and it was first come first serve really i think you know you know one of the reasons why uh i, I think the only one that I told that she should do it was uh, Melanie, who's uh, our, our current bass player. Yes. Uh, and she's got a band called Such Small Hands. And I, 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 I specifically thought that she should do Skyfall because I thought it would really suit her voice. And I knew the way she would have done it, really, you know, the kind of music she makes as a, in, a, in a solo capacity. So I suggested Skyfall to her. But everybody else, no, they just completely came up with their own uh, ideas. I can't remember what uh, did I say to the Sleezoids that you should do uh, the James Bond theme, or did you come up uh, with that? I think we got told. Oh, did but it? I, right. <laughs> but I, I think it was probably uh, there weren't many left at that point because I think a lot of people were already on board. So uh, yeah, but we were we were very excited and uh, nervous to get the James Bond theme. And uh, I think that was yeah. the other one where I thought, you know, the, that you would do a good job of it specifically because I thought, you know, you would do the, the kind of a garagey band version of it. Oh, not the I love the dirty guitar on that. Exactly. Messy yeah. fuzzed up guitar. And, yeah. and that is a, uh, on my Vox Phantom that uh, I bought with money from being in the wedding present for the blink of an eye. So David Gedge bought me a Vox Phantom, which I'm very <laughs> <pleased with. laughs> Uh, so that I always think oh, of that. Oh, it's all David. falling into place <laughs> now, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, ultimate cool garage guitar in in my eyes. Uh, but it's it's funny because obviously being in the in the Sleezoids with Paul Paul Dorrington, who's a far better guitarist than I. So I had the slightly. Uh, stressful job of trying to play something properly because I'm not known for being the uh, you know the greatest guitarist in the world I'm I'm kind of I can sing a bit and I kind of do rhythm guitar and he's uh he's the one that good at the twangly guitar but I really enjoyed the challenge mm-hmm. and I kind of like that it came out a bit weirdly bonkers <laughs> as well we, we like that it's a messy fuzzed up uh, slightly off version that I'm I, like we you were talking about earlier uh you know the the kind of uh, recording things um whether you do it on an iPad or whether you do it in a studio and I'm I'm a big fan of the just do it and get it done kind of school of of punk rock DIY you know I'm one of those busy people who I'd rather say yes to something and then do it and not worry too much about how it comes out I'd just rather have done it <laughs> so it's yeah, not necessarily yeah, yeah. not necessarily quality over quantity but more of the kind of punk rock 
DIY attitude? Because there's so many things, if you think about it too much, you'd never do it. So, And this is one of those, I think, if we really thought about the gravity of the James Bond theme and John Barry, and who I'm a big fan of, uh, I think we would have... But we gave ourselves quite a tight deadline and we learned it and recorded it within, I don't know, a week or two weeks or something like that. You're right. Um, so, and, and one of my favourite things is uh, I have... You might have, it's a bit like a stylophone, but I had a toy when I was little called Major Morgan, the electronic organ, which I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of, but that feature, that is basically the intro of oh. our track. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's new that's new to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we played some random noise and played it back in the in the studio and said to the guy who was mixing it, can you do something with this? We had in our minds it was going to be all like amazing space sounds. And he played it back and we just all cried with laughter because it sounded so stupid and dreadful. But we just thought, oh, you know, let's just go with it and make it a bit mad and weird. And, and is somebody uh, playing a recorder on there as well? Is it, is it a recorder? <laughs> is that, I'm playing a slightly out of tune flute on it. Flute, I used to oh, play okay. the flute, um, but uh, yeah, it's all a bit off kilter. But you know, it's it makes us smile whenever we hear it. <laughs> Which of the songs do you think was the hardest to do out of all the ones covered? I mean, to be honest with you, they're all hard. I think, I think especially the kind of early, the, the John Barry ones, because the chords are very weird. You know, when we've yeah. done uh, the one I did on the piano, we have all the time in the world. And I got the sheet music for that because I, because I can't play the piano, so I got somebody who could who could play the piano. And the chords are crazy. And, and, to, and to actually, you know, there's all these, it's not just D and then f sharp minor or whatever it's it, it's augmented and fifths and sevenths and everything i mean terry knows all about these things not me but when you try and sing it sometimes you're trying to pitch notes which are not actually in in the chords sometimes and so it is it is quite quite hard to do i think and i think that's it possibly with the, with the john barry ones and also maybe the people who who try and kind of recreate the john barry sound they use those chords as well mm-hmm. but it does give it that kind of dark sound and that kind of majestic feel to it i think it's often these very very strange uh, arrangements mm, yeah sometime last year I, I learned how to play the the you know the the james bond chord and because oh, yeah. uh, it's and, and i had to look it up because I, I couldn't work out how to play it but actually the the fingering on on a guitar is dead easy once you know how to do it but once once you've got that and you start strumming it sounds completely john barry it's amazing yeah, yeah i've played that chord as well but you'd never work it out would you like you say because it's yeah. i can't even remember what's the name of it it's, it's got, i have no idea yeah. what it's called uh i've got the fingering that's it <laughs> <laughs> i think it's funny that you're saying that you play man with the golden gun on the on the guitar actually because i quite like to show me how to do it i think because, <laughs> because exactly with the, you know faced with something like that and the arrangement that it has I must admit, I, I found it really daunting at the beginning. It was like, how am I going to do this? You know what I mean? Because exactly yeah. what you're saying, because I don't know any of those diminished sevenths either. Um, so it was just a cool, it was, it's just trying to work it out. So it sounds a bit like it's a bit like your band, if you know what I mean. And, and uh, but I'm, I must admit, it's, um, yeah, it, that John Barry, I think, is a bit of a genius with these, with these songs, because um, I certainly didn't find that easy to, rep- to replicate either. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, just talking about John Barry, Barry I, I think uh, a lot of the success of the early films was was 
in a in a large part down down to him because uh, if you if you watch Doctor No, it's got the James Bond theme, but then the rest of the music's by Monty Norman, and, and it, it kind of it it doesn't quite work. I mean, it's still a great film, but it, it's in From Russia with Love is is where it really took off, and you get the John Barry sound, and uh, and uh, the film series really took off after that. That that John Barry sound is so distinctive as well. I mean, mm. I really I'm a really mm. big fan of his Beat Girl theme. I absolutely love Beat Girl, and I've played that to to students at work, and they always kind of can tell that it's a kind of spy genre or they associate it with because it sounds so like the Bond theme. It's got that, his distinct John Barryness to it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Apparently the James Bond chord is an E minor with a major ninth for <laughs> any, <laughs> I just looked it up. So I thought it was more, I thought it was more complicated than that really. I thought, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound too, too bad, does it? Or is it? No. Is it, I, don't know, I don't know what there, it is. It just, and there are different just ways. Sound complicated. There are different ways to play it, though, and, right. and they, some of those look a little bit look a little bit um, complicated. But but I remember but when, yeah. we, when we did Diamonds Are Forever, I, I got the sheet music for that as well, so that uh, I actually t- tried to work out the the chords for our guitarist at the time, Simon Cleve, to play based on the arrangements of the of the the sheet music, which was I think piano and strings and things. And every chord was like that, you know, so it was, and now you go, you go into this E minor seventh suspended and now you're going to go to this C diminished. And Simon was like us, you know, I've never heard of these chords. So we literally had to kind of work it, you know, chord by chord. And we actually, uh, we had to drop, you know, drop him in for certain parts because he couldn't physically change the chord because he didn't, his fingers wouldn't, you know, move to those chords really. And naturally, yeah. so it was, yeah, it was very, actually that Diamonds Are Forever was, was a, Difficult one for you, I remember Terry, wasn't it? You just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was because I hadn't, I hadn't really learned it when we were we were in the studio. I was like, oh no, it's like one of those anxiety dreams you have, and I actually still have them all the time. But it's like, oh, we're going to record "Diamonds Are Forever" now. I'm like, what? I don't know it. <laughs> I, 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 I must give you more notes than that, didn't I? Did I just come up with it on the day or something? <laughs> We had played it. We had rehearsed it a little bit, but not to the degree that we normally would rehearse things. I think there was a, an element of, "Hey, while we're here, why don't we, why don't we do?" Which we have. We've done that a few times with other things, but usually we're well rehearsed. Like, "Oh, while we're here, why don't we record George Best?" The whole George re-record all of George Best. But we'd been playing that on tour, so. And it's usually sim- simpler songs, I suppose, than something like yeah. that forever. <laughs> And, and yeah. when, when did you record it, by the way? Was it during lockdown or before? Well, Diamonds Are Forever was years ago. It's actually been it previously released on a Cinerama single, I think. Oh, okay. But uh, the, the rest of it, for the wedding present one was about four years ago, I think, when we were doing the last album. We just recorded that there. And I think... Yeah, the majority of them have been recorded over the over this over this year or the year before, really. I suppose. And uh, there's a, a a cover album of Bond themes uh, from well, it must be twenty twenty something years ago. Was uh, David Arnold, and of course he yes. went on to become uh, the composer for the uh, James Bond series for uh, for a few years. And uh, um, any aspiration for uh, doing that, uh, composing a Bond score or just a song? Anybody? I would love to do that, obviously, but uh, I don't think I'm probably not in the running for it, really. But uh, 
Yeah, I think I think those David Arnold ones are good, aren't they? Because they kind of do kind of nod in the direction of John Barry, don't they? It's kind of a modern take on the John Barry sound, I think, which is quite good. But uh, in answer to your question as well, I think with this compilation album, which is different to, to that one that you just uh, mentioned, which I think is a really good record, but I think ours is a bit more varied because there's so many odd ideas on it. You know, he talks about Diane and the Sleazoids there. Uh, but also, you know, there's completely a cappella version of one of the songs and there's kind of the bit there's a bit like uh jazzy ones and then there's more poppy ones and completely uh electronic versions and stuff so i think in a way it's better that that more people were involved rather than if it was just the wedding present doing it i think it probably would have sounded a bit a bit samier really because we would have probably had you know the same technique or the same sound for each one really so I think it's because it's so varied, it becomes quite surprising in parts. But one one thing that I'd say about it is that it sounds very cohesive. And, you know, obviously over, over the years, uh, there have been a lot of styles for, for the original uh, songs. And uh, I, I think if you if you listen to the originals on a, on a um, you know, I've, I've got a, I don't know, thir- I think it was the 30, 30th anniversary uh, CD or something, something like that, and um, they're, they're not played in 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 order. they I don't know why they picked the the, the running order at all, and you, it, it's kind of jarring when it moves from from one song to another because they're they're very very different, different singers, very different sounds, and very different styles of of music. But uh, um, I think I, I think your album sounds much more cohesive um if, if you like and uh, how much do you think that's down to production or uh, working with people who have the same mindset as you and you've worked with before or or uh, or uh, picking a running order that works better i did spend a long time in the running order but uh i think i think it mainly comes down to the uh, uh, you know the songs really i think you know there's a i think with the, with the john barry ones especially there's there's certain kind of signature themes isn't there with, with the kind of you know the strings and the and the brass stabs and uh, you know as we as we've discussed you know the the chords and the chord progressions and things and then i think often other people have written so you know you know when you know paul mccartney you know did the uh, you know his one it's it, it almost sounds like you know live and let die it almost sounds like a like a bomb theme, doesn't it? Even before, even though it's it's wings, uh, and so I think, I think it's the, I think it's the shadow of John Barry that's on everything, really. You know, I think there's a few tracks over the years that have come out, and you thought this doesn't really sound like a bomb theme to me. You know, I remember the, I was I was looking forward to the Jack White one for uh, Quantum of Solace because I was a big fan of uh, his work, and it, I, I don't think it sounds like a bomb theme. You know, it's probably a fairly good song, but uh, completely forgettable. Really, yeah, uh, it, it's not. It's not very popular among the uh, the Bond community. And I, I also noticed. I think uh, you got Moonrakers missing uh, both the Timothy Dalton films, and then uh, from the Daniel Craig era, there's only Skyfall. So, um, is is there any particular reason that you avoided them? Do you prefer the older songs and John Barry, or? or- why do you think that is? Well, I didn't. Uh, you know, as, as I said, it's, it's, it's people's. It's this. It's been democracy, really, that because people have, have chosen those songs. I think Moonraker is a particularly bad one, to be honest. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I I like the early. I like the sixties ones, and then going into the seventies, and then I think I do like the David Arnold ones. The world is not enough. The garbage one I quite like, and uh, 
I even like the Cheryl Crow one, but it kind of comes and goes with me because because I, I do like the sixties ones and uh, and I guess those are the nineties ones. But uh, I think in the Daniel Craig era, I've only really enjoyed the the Adele one so far. But uh, well, so far it's his last film now, isn't it? So that that'll be it, really. But uh, uh, yeah, I think I think the eighties was a particularly bad bad time for me. Uh, the Sheena, yeah. Sheena Easton and Duran Duran. Again, I prefer Terry's version of A View to a yeah, Kill. Do, do you know, I, I was going to say that because um, I, 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 there's there's something about um, A View to a Kill, and they they did Wild Boys around that time as well, and the the, the vocals on both just irritate me so much. And uh, and but I, I was listening to Terry's version uh, the other day, and I was thinking, actually, this song's not that bad. It's uh, oh, it's, it's a really good song. Yeah. I hate, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think Terry's yeah, done it. You know, sorry, I should let you talk. No. <laughs> Go on. No, well, I just i I actually really dislike that song. You know, I I disliked the song and the the my friend who played all the instruments on it and kind of arranged it and produced it just recently said, you know what? I don't, I haven't even listened to that song since we, since we actually recorded it. And that was like four years ago, I think. And he went and listened to it. And he like, just the other day, he's like, Oh my God, what a terrible song. Why did you pick that? <laughs> <laughs> but it, when I started learning, I just wanted to do something that I would do a very different version of something that a man sang. Mm-hmm. And I, when I started kind of, really starting to understand the song and how it was put together it, it, it is it's kind of cool but i i yeah it, i found it a very irritating one as well yeah i i think possibly the worst of of that era though is is the aha one um yes <laughs> living daylights. It's, it's clear that they didn't actually understand what the living daylights means in english i think yeah. and, and, also, uh, and again but, it, it doesn't you know it doesn't sound like a bomb theme does it really it sounds like a an aha Pops yeah, on. and, and there's, there's a there's a demo version of that kicking around, and uh, they, they've only got the, the chorus. And during the verse, he's just singing da 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 da. <laughs> just it, it, it's 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 terrible. <laughs> I mean, I think you know, with with the Bond themes, uh, they've usually picked you know what they perceive to be fashionable musicians at the time, don't they? So <laughs> throughout the eighties, I think they were going for that the band to represent or artists that represented that. But it's that bland kind of. 1980s you know if you watch top the pops these days from the 80s and uh it's just depressing because it's it's just so boring that music you know there's a lot of great alternative bands in the 80s uh but i think the the pop music was particularly bad and i think i think that carried through to these bond themes as well really scene and, and in fact uh, I, I was at university at, in uh, in Coventry so I used to hang out in the same places as uh, the singer from the primitives in those days okay Tracy yeah yeah I, I, I didn't know her but I, uh, I certainly knew her face and uh, um, and I saw saw them uh, God saw them they, they, they were 
there was virtually no no one in the crowd. It, it was it was like it was like the week that they did a radio session. I don't know if it was for Janice Long or somebody like that. And uh, and we thought it'd be packed, and just nobody showed up. It was a real shame. I think she swapped Coventry for Barcelona, didn't she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she lives in Spain now, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They're yeah. obviously going again, actually. Oh, well, they, they were they were supposed to play in my festival in Brighton uh, last yeah. year, but it yeah, obviously uh, I mentioned them, yes. Yeah, but it obviously got uh, postponed. Hopefully, they'll be able to play it next year if it happens next year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to be playing a gig with them as well, which has now been delayed. I think a year and a half after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. September. And uh, yeah, also. Um... <laughs> Also, another quite unpopular song among the Bond community is Die Another Day by, by Madonna. But uh, on this album, you've got a version in Ukrainian. And mm. uh, how did that come about? Well, it's because uh, our old guitarist, Peter, uh, he was in the band at the very beginning, like Sean. And then when he left, he, he started his own band called the Ukrainians because his father's Ukrainian and he's always had an interest in Ukrainian culture and Ukrainian music. And so they they explored that field. It was kind of like a, a fusion, if you like, of Ukrainian folk music and uh, indie rock, I suppose. Uh, great band, actually. Great. They've played yeah. at my festival as well. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I just thought they'd be an obvious one to do. Again, to add the variety to the record, you know. I don't think that, you know, the Madonna one's terrible, but again, I, I do prefer theirs, to be honest with you. I think, you know, they're a very lively uh, uh it's very lively music, so it's very kind of celebratory and uh, quite aggressive sounding, which I think it, it, it worked very well on that on that on that track. They've done cover versions of people like the Smiths and stuff like that as well, haven't they? They're very funny. Yeah, and the sex kids can be completely mad sometimes. You know, like just people going completely crazy. I remember that one we went to in London. Yeah, at, uh, at Eastern European Club, wasn't it? And the, the people were going completely bonkers. Yeah, they're a great a great band for the for, uh, for festivals. Which is another reason why I had them play down here. Uh, yeah, I mean, people like them even if they don't even know them or are familiar with the music. It's just a it's like a party, you know. It's, yeah, that, that's always a, a really good thing to happen, isn't it? Yeah, twenty twenty uh, was a tough year for most of us, and um, with no live music for most of the uh, musicians, have been pretty badly affected and. Uh, uh, I know you had to, to cancel your, your festival, which you, you've mentioned, but do, do you think there have been any upsides? And uh, what do you look forward to most uh, when we're the other side of this mess, whenever that is? I feel like I should give somebody else the chance to answer because I've, I've been talking the most. Well, I could briefly interject. One of the things I worry about is the venues, to be honest, because, I mean, most of the musicians that I know, we don't do it for a job. It's not our day job. We're not lucky enough to kind of, uh, you know, uh, well, or unlucky enough at the moment, I suppose, to have it as our main source of income. But um it's it the venues are kind of there's there's going to be I'm worried that there's going to be nowhere to play for those up and coming bands you know the kind of kids who are getting started and trying to make it uh in industries or trying to make it as a potential living there's going to be nowhere to kind of work their way up to because venues are obviously struggling to survive at the moment but I mean there's other there's other people who've 
been more inventive in different ways again going back to the technology there's a lot you can do at home um i've been really enjoyed the the stuff sparks have been doing lately i don't know if you've seen any of their latest uh songs and videos they've been putting out online so people are getting creative and doing bits and pieces at home but just really miss playing live because that's what a lot of it is about for a lot of us just that it's so cathartic and it's fun and, and it's a kind of social interact, interactive. I miss our drummer, you know, he's like one of our best friends. Like I'm lucky enough to live in the same house as, as uh, two of our band, two of the three members of our band, we live together, but we, our drummer lives on his own and uh, he's, he's a nice fun dude. And when we can't go and be in the same room as him. So just all that side of it is, is kind of heartbreaking really. And And one of the times we could go and, we had a, a park pub evening last summer when you were still allowed to kind of gather socially distanced. And there were quite a lot of musicians there. And I said to everybody, oh, I haven't actually picked up my guitar in a while. Has anybody been doing anything? And everybody just kind of said, well, no, not really. They've, they all felt a bit too flat creatively uh, to be in the right, I guess, headspace or, or mood to do stuff. But I don't know. I think it's just hard in that respect because it's hard to kind of feel enthusiastic and, and want to do creative things, but then we kind of have bursts where you're desperate to do something. So you might kind of cobble something together, but it's just that not knowing and not being able to plan and not being able to play live. It's just, just kind of gutting really. So ups and downs, I think for everybody. Yeah. I can't agree with you. It's been such a funny year. I mean, we've, we released an album and two singles this year and the band met once. Um, just in the summer, just for one day. Uh, so it's a it's a really weird kind of that you're kind of busy but not busy. Um, yeah, we, we were supposed to have recorded our second album by now in the last few months. So yeah, just not even able to do that. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, but I agree with you a bit about the being a bit flat as well. Actually, don't mean to you know the pod could take the podcast down or whatever. But I've been a bit disappointed that you know with all this time. Although it's been nice being at home with the family and stuff actually, because um, I'll be honest, my with my day job, I have a bit of a commute up to London, and I suppose I don't miss that. Um, but um, but even being at home or whatever, that I haven't played as much guitar and and done because you know we need to <laughs> release some more records as well at some point um but i feel like the mood hasn't been right somehow um i know i know exactly what you mean by it i get i don't know if you're the same sean but if, if you've got family at home it's part of it's just not having quiet time to yourself as well because to do creative things or think creatively sometimes you just need a few hours on your own in a room without children and pets and people yeah to be, <laughs> i can't prize my two off their switches to be honest i have plenty of time <laughs> thing is just the mental space isn't really there at the moment yeah no i think that's more what it is actually yeah no i mean everyone is is uh, as i say my, my kids have played far too many video games this year i think <laughs> but i really agree with you uh diane uh, what a you know crisis it is for the venues and there's just no substitute for playing live there is nothing else like it so Hopefully it'll come back. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine it'll come back in the same way. But I hope it does come back in full force at some point. Yeah, especially those kind of, we were supposed to play at something called Pizza Fest, which was going to be like a, a punk rock gig in, in a pub in York with about 10 garage punk bands and free pizzas for everybody. And just the idea of 
doing that just seems so exotic and foreign. Yeah, now. <laughs> totally. I know exactly what you mean. It's just hard to picture now. Yeah, yeah. Being in a sweaty room with just a load of punk <laughs> yeah. just seems like yeah. a different yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, like when you see it on, on, if you watch something, watch a documentary or see something that has a big crowd, like a big sweaty punk crowd, you just think, wow, that just looks, it just looks so alien now. I agree completely. If you see stuff on TV with, with people getting too close, it's no, 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 social distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Pre-COVID. Really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very odd. And, you know, the... Uh, I, I don't know what's. I don't know when the new Bond film will come out. It's supposed to come out in in April, but uh, I, I think nobody involved in the podcast actually believes that uh, that's going to happen. And um, at the rate things are happening, and uh, and you know how how are people going to feel? You know, going to the cinema as well uh, once it's over, because you know I, I think it's going to take people a bit of time to to actually trust um that they can go to places w- without getting infected as well yeah sure surely they will release it on streaming instead or do some i don't know are they going to hold out for a cinematic release do you think it's a, it's a bond film though isn't it i think you know i think uh, bond films are one of the, the main reasons i go to the cinema to be honest it, it's kind of the only film franchise if you like where apart from maybe the marvel ones sometimes where i think i've got to see this in the cinema mm. yeah. it, it, it's funny uh in in spain actually i uh i, I don't go to the cinema that often and it, and just to see english english language films rather than dubbed uh which i uh, just can't i can't do but um they they show them very very infrequently around here and so you've got to make, make a bit of an effort but um when i when i do or when we do you, you know you maybe get 20 people in the audience or something like that usually and uh but when the last bond film came out um i, I think every uh, British expat in the area came out in force for the one night that they were showing it because instead of showing it on one screen with 20 people in, they o- they opened up four or five screens to show it at the same time. It was amazing. Wow. I bet that was a good atmosphere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although you, it wouldn't be now. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Stay home. Oh, no. <laughs> nostalgic for noisy people in cinema what's the world come to <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but uh, and I, I i had tickets uh for this last summer for for the primavera, primavera sound festival in barcelona as well and it's just at the moment i just i can't even imagine going to barcelona uh full stop it's, uh but uh i don't know there you go at some point we'll we'll uh be through it but uh, uh what do you look what do you most look forward to uh when we threw the mess uh just playing live is it yeah i would say i would say being able to play gigs again and being able to play it's going to be it's going to be very strange playing live for the first time something that you released a couple of years before yeah, you don't like that. it's going to be really strange when you like you say when when everybody does their first gig after all it's going to feel really weird and like a big, everybody's going to be a bit overexcited and a bit nervous and there's going to be some kind of big explosion of, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to I think it'll be mental and it, it'll be great, but it'll be stre- like really 
a bit nerve-wracking as well, I think. Mm. Also, there's an issue, I think, because a lot of people have not played for so long that everybody wants to play. And I think, uh, you know, our agents are already kind of booking concerts for a year and a half in the future. Because, yeah, I, uh, I guess that's a good point too, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, venue availability, you know, there's a lot of tours that are going to happen that have should have happened as i say in the last 16 months so hoping that the venues have survived as was exactly definitely well i'm looking forward to coming to the uk because this is the longest i've been away in 30 years oh my god yeah yeah Yeah. so maybe for at the edge of the sea yeah i mean fingers crossed i mean we i think our first concerts our next concerts are scheduled for may so i don't know if that's a bit too early still but uh i'm hoping by by august maybe things will be back to a point where we, we could do concerts again but but, but nobody knows are they that's the problem no. uh, yeah uh, the, the only thing you can do is just uh see how it pans out and uh and keep your head down uh in the meantime i suppose but uh, i i see we're, we're coming up for for nearly an hour so uh, i did say it was uh, it would be three quarters of an hour to an hour so um uh i would like to thank you all david Terry, Sean and Diane. It's been a a real pleasure. Um, I'd also like to encourage our listeners to buy a copy of Not From Where I'm Standing and uh, make sure you check out the music by all the artists who contributed to the album because hopefully you'll find something else you'll love there. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that about wraps it up for another episode of James Bond and Friends. Thank you very much for attending and telling us about your music. I've learned a lot and I've enjoyed listening to this conversation. I'll admit there's been a bit of frantic Googling, but uh, the last thing I want to let everyone know as listeners to this podcast is that you're entitled to enter a competition. The uh, the record label is kindly giving away your choice of a CD or a vinyl copy of Not From Where I'm Standing. To enter the competition, what you need to do is you need to email your name to sweepstake at mi6hq.com so that's s-w-e-e-p-s-t-a-k-e at mi6-hq.com you'll also need to provide the answer to this question which james bond theme encouraged the wedding present to start this album of bond themes so tell us which song was responsible for kickstarting this entire project you can find the answer earlier in the show and for now we'll see you next week Love is its name